All hail the resurrected name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord and no more uh, greater time than be able to be in the house of the Lord on Resurrection Sunday. I'm glad to be here on this Easter Sunday, probably more than you know. And I'm glad that you're here. Good to see you today. We're glad that you've made it. You've been welcomed already, but we appreciate you being here. Both our members and guests, and we have guests every Sunday We uh, in all our services. And uh, but we, particularly now, we understand on uh, Easter Sunday, some of you family members, we appreciate you being here. We're glad that you're here. And sometimes when you come in, you think, well, I'm the... Uh, you think you might be the only one, perhaps, or the, everybody else knows everybody, but uh, we have guests. Everybody does not know everybody, and we have enough new members to where we're still getting to know everybody, and we're hoping to do that. But let me ask you today if you would find the uh, resurrection account found in the Gospel of John. We're going to be reading John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. I encourage you to open up your smartphone, your Bibles, or Scripture, some in the chairs there that you can use, but I'd love to have you there before you. We'll kind of walk our way through the scripture here in a few moments as we talk. I believe when history uh, is recorded about the United States and about uh, Americans, I believe we'll be considered a people of nomads, that we're always and constantly on the move, maybe more so than any other country perhaps uh, in history of our time anyway, because the average American moves every five years. That means if if some of you have been in your home all of your life or half your life, that means there's some of you here that have moved just about every year, probably perhaps, but about every five years, you're going to back up that U-Haul, you're going to call that moving company, and you're going to uh, be able to move to somewhere different, whether it be down the street or another city or state or wherever it might be. And it may be because you're looking for something better. Maybe you're looking for a better education. Maybe you're looking for a better job. Maybe you're looking for something, a better way to improve. Or maybe things will be better. Maybe they won't be better. Or maybe just the grass will look greener on the other side, perhaps. Uh, but can I tell you something? The need for something better was placed into each one of us by God himself. But it will never be satisfied apart from a living relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because God wants to give you something better. There is something better, and that is a life with the resurrected Lord. And the Lord makes that possible, of course. We'll never be satisfied with the things of this world, particularly those of us who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord gives us purpose and meaning. I, I have something that I usually call kind of a holy discontent if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is... It is a holy discontent with the things of this world or what this world has to offer because we'll only find that with the Lord Jesus in a relationship. And so sometimes we're kind of of content or we should be kind of content with that holy discontent uh, and we're content to live with Him until we go to be with Him. The only thing that makes possible is when Jesus died for us on the cross and He took our penalty for our sins. Jesus paid the price for each one of us. We praise Jesus for his sacrifice and for his wonderful gift that he died for us on the cross. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday morning. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross paid the price for our sins. Jesus' resurrection conquered death and brings life fresh, new, and eternal to all those who put their faith in him. We celebrate every year usually at the time of the Jewish Passover when these events took place in Jerusalem. We celebrate the resurrection, celebrate Easter Sunday. That's why you often find this time of year Charlton Heston or the Ten Commandments or maybe another Ten Commandments movie that will be on television. Now, 
those of us, those who have nothing to do with Jesus may not know how it points to Jesus, but those of us who are people of the book, we know and we understand, of course, that when the Hebrew people were taken out of Egypt or the Exodus and freed from slavery and that Passover took place, it pointed to the fact that Jesus is the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world and offer hope to all. The Sabbath used to be the day in which worship was taking place. Sabbath actually just means Saturday and used to be the day set aside for worship. But now the Lord's day is on Sunday. We worship on Sunday because Jesus rose on that first day of the week. In another sense, we understand that every day should be a celebration of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we should dedicate ourselves to serving and to worshiping Him. We find even in the Old Testament, we found that God's people were instructed to commemorate certain special and holy days so that we might commit ourselves once again and to be sure that every generation is aware, aware of the things that have happened in the lives and history of God's people. One of our kids asked uh, Friday night after our Good Friday service, asked us uh, why we left that service in silence. And I said, well, it's so that we might be able to uh, contemplate the cross of Christ and so that we might be in anticipation of this celebration of the Lord's Day and so that kids and adults might uh, ask why we do such. Thus, it's a good that we gather together and worship and have resurrection celebrations, small and large, where Jesus is the centerpiece. So I want to invite you this morning, I want to invite you to step into the empty tomb for the very first time or once again, and tell me what you see. Now the resurrection is in all four Gospels. In fact, every uh, book, virtually every book in the New Testament mentions the resurrection. Resurrection is the centerpiece of who we are in the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. But this morning, we're going to look into the tomb through the eyes of three people. In the Gospel of John, Mary Magdalene, Simon Peter, and John the Beloved. And I want you to look through their eyes and I want you to see what they see. And then what I want you to do is I want you to be able to see with your eyes and I want you to be able to say and to be able to see confidently with spiritual eyes that you have seen and you have experienced the risen Lord today and then watch the difference that it can make. Now, if you're a skeptic and you're here today and you're not sure if it's true or you're wondering, if, well, if it's true or not, does it really make a difference? It's okay. We're glad that you're here today. If you're listening live stream today as well. I encourage you to investigate over these next few minutes along with us. You've got nothing to lose and you've got everything to gain. So we're in John chapter 20. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 18 and just looking at certain scriptures one at a time or a couple at a time and be able to walk our way through the scripture and see what we might be able to discover through the eyes of these individuals. First of all, let's look at John chapter 20 verses 1 and 2. It says there now on the first day of the week Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they've laid him. Now Mary Magdalene, she was among the first to arrive at the tomb. She's the only one for whom it actually says that she arrived there before while it was still dark and arrived before light. And she was alone, perhaps she was to meet up with the other women who were going to put spices on the body of Jesus. Do you know Mary Magdalene? She's described in Luke chapter 8 and verse 2 as a person who was healed of evil spirits and infirmities. 
And though not everyone whom Jesus healed became a follower or disciple of Jesus, the evidence is pretty clear that Mary Magdalene did. John 19, 25 tells us that she was present at the crucifixion. Matthew 27, verse 62, she's watching as Jesus is buried. She knew right where to come. And so here she is in John 20. She comes to the tomb early before daybreak. And what does she see? She sees the stone has been rolled away. And it doesn't seem that she goes in or maybe she glances in. We don't know that for sure. But the stone had been rolled away. It was clear, which is a miracle unto itself. We find in other, another gospel that it was an earthquake and an angel. There was an earthquake and an angel moved the stone. But she assumes the body is missing. And what is her response? Well, certainly she is surprised that the body is missing. And she is afraid that they have, they have taken the body of Jesus. They perhaps referring to the Roman soldiers maybe or maybe even to the Jewish leaders. But her fear is that she will not be able to find the body of Jesus. In fact, we're going to find out here in a few minutes that she's going to keep asking, where is the body? What she does not know yet is the fact that the tomb is empty and the body of Jesus is missing is a good thing. See, she fears the worst, but it turns out to be the best. This might serve as a clue for us of some of the things that we can learn and we can see as we look into the empty tomb. And she finds Simon Peter and she finds the other disciple whom Jesus loved, John, the writer of this gospel. Now, John never mentions himself by name in the gospel in which he wrote to. He usually refers to himself as the other disciple or the one whom Jesus loved. But these two disciples, co-leaders perhaps of the 11 disciples who were left, were the natural ones to come and to give the information. So Mary Magdalene tells Peter and John, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they've laid him. Look at their response in verses 3 and 4. John chapter 20 verses 3 and 4 says this. So Peter went out with the other disciples and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Now I want you to notice as we continue, and even in these verses, I want you to notice the action words like uh, run and saw. Simple words probably though that have a lot of meaning. Um, let me ask you, do you remember the last couple of Easter's and where you were? Now, I remember two years ago, in fact, two years ago, I preached from this very pulpit, and there were maybe six, seven people that were out in the congregation, so I remember that a lot, which makes it a little difficult for we encourage you, of course, to to watch us online. We probably had several hundred, perhaps, that watched on that particular morning. And then last year, I remember, and we had many back, not quite back as we have today, but I certainly remember that because all last Easter, my family had the COVID, including me. And, uh, and so this, this becomes a significant Easter for me to be able to be back. In fact, I remember, uh, about a, got sick about a week before Easter, and our Chairman of Deacons and our vice chairman, they kept sending me texts and messages asking how I was and praying for me, but it always would end with, you're not preaching this Sunday. And it wasn't a question. I said, and I, I didn't say it out loud, but I thought, well, we'll see about that. So I pulled myself out of bed on Friday morning and uh, went and had the COVID test and it came back positive and I said, I'll see you tomorrow. Came back on Saturday and it was again positive and uh, so I did not preach, but to say, to understand this, that uh, to say that I was the sickest that I had ever been in my life would be an understatement. 
spent seven, eight, nine, ten days in bed, and I don't remember spending one day in bed in all of my adult life. And to say that that was a, a, a difficult time, and particularly difficult not to be here with you on Easter Sunday. So you can see, perhaps, that uh, why I'm glad to be here with you today. And I'm making up for lost time, so I hope that you packed your lunch because we're getting it all in. No, not really. We'll get you out plenty of time for lunch. And matter of fact, uh, Friday night in our Good Friday service in the Lord's Supper, we passed out the plates like we used to do. We hadn't done that. We've been using the little pre-made packets that we had. And first time that we had done, had done that since probably Christmas Eve of 2019. So we, these are significant days. But every time that we come together, we understand the significant days. But I, but I say all that to say now, if you thought about the past, think about today. What are you going to be doing today? You've made it here. What are you going to be doing after this? Now, some of you may be having a busy Sunday. If you're having a busy Sunday, you're going to do some running around. You're in good company. Because I, did you notice they did a lot of running that we just read. When Mary saw that the stone had been, run, been rolled away, she ran back to tell Peter and John. Peter and John heard they ran. John outran Peter. Then Peter ran and came on in. There's a lot of running that's taking place. So if your day is busy... At least take some thought that the first resurrection day seemed to be busy with lots of activities for the disciples and lots of running. But it was also a day of discovering and believing. May today be a day that you discover more and even if you're busy, you can still celebrate your relationship with the risen Lord. Oh, let's see what happens next in John chapter 20 verses 5 through 8. It says this, John chapter 20 verse 5. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. John is telling the one telling the story. and John goes to great pains to tell us what he saw and what Peter saw. And in your mind's eye, in your sanctified imagination, you might imagine, you can visualize. In fact, John uses three different words for the word that means to see or describe what each saw in that first resurrection morning. Now, the original language, the Greek language of the New Testament is a more precise language in lots of ways than the English language. And we know that when we talk about love, we know that there's three different words that's used in the New Testament there are also three different words that is used for, the, for to see or saw. And uh, all three of these are used in verses 5 through 8. John uses all three. John arrives at the tomb first, but he does not go in. But he saw the linen cloths lying there. Maybe he saw the same thing that Mary saw. She didn't go in either, but knew the body was not there. Now the word saw means to glance. John took a glance into the tomb. And there's Peter. He arrives next. Maybe John was more fit than Peter. Who knows? Maybe Peter had more burdens than John, but for whatever reason, John gets there first and stops at the tomb. And then Peter, when he comes, he bursts forth and comes on into the tomb. Now, most people, when they come into the graveyard, we walk a little stealthily and carefully and kind of watching their step. That's not really Peter's style. Peter sees Though he's not only the grave clothes, but the face cloth or the turban cloth have been wrapped around the head. The word used to describe how it was placed means folded or rolled as if the hair, the head that had been inside had been wrapped, dematerialized or vanished. 
And the word for saw used in verse 6 of what Peter saw means to see the details or the facts. Sometimes it means to see with a conclusion or question. And Peter may have been thinking, well, if they, if they move the body, why did they take the grave clothes off? And why are they laying in the exact same position that the body was laying? And then John comes on into the tomb. You see the verses or you're looking at those. He comes in. And if you wanted a place to underline or a place to highlight, it would be this. He saw and he believed. A third word for saw, and it means to see with insight or perception. In fact, John was the first one to believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and not see the body or not see his resurrected body. But notice John chapter 20 verses 9 and 10 says this. John 20 verse 9, For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Meaning up to that point when John saw with perception and insight, they did not understand what Jesus means or remember that he said that he was going to rise from the dead. But now that John has come in and he has seen the empty tomb and he sees the grave close, he sees and he believes. Now did Peter not believe or understand at this point, well, John's the writer of this gospel, and maybe he doesn't know what's in Peter's mind or Peter's heart at this time. But as for John, he believes. Now, these words that mean to see help us to figure out, I think, what we're going to be doing here this morning and maybe how we're going to make this application. So let me, let me illustrate for just a moment. And uh, Now, when, when our girls were about 15 they're now grown adults, but when they were about 15, I taught them to drive. And so even today, sometimes when I get in the car and they're driving, which isn't all that often, it's just hard for me to stop myself from giving of my perception and all of my years of driving and help them still along the way. And I might ask, do you see that truck? And they'll usually respond, yes, dad, I see the truck. And they'll usually, maybe don't necessarily have to say it, but they'll usually by maybe in their tone, they'll something like, you don't have to keep telling me how to drive, I'm a grown woman. But it's hard to stop, you understand. Anybody who's been there, it may be hard to stop. And even though she says, yes, Dad, I see the truck, I'm still not sure if the meaning, does that mean she's glanced at the truck and she knows that it exists? When she says, Dad, I see the truck, is she saying, I see the color of the truck. I see what make and model of the truck. She knows that I like trucks. Maybe she thinks I'm just thinking, take a look at that nice looking truck that's over there. Or what I'm hoping is that she's able to see with perception and insight and be able to make the move that says that that truck's not going to plow into us or we're not going to plow into it. Does that help you to understand a little bit of the difference when we talk about what it means that I, they saw? Good. For when it comes to the message of the cross and the empty tomb, some people just see a glance around the world today that people are celebrating Easter and speaking of the resurrection of Jesus. You can hear it on the news. Easter movies are out. More people are in church today than any other time of the year. How about this? More people may be in church today than in the last three years. And even people who are not in church, they may still get a glance of the empty tomb. They could see that some people believe. Maybe they're not sure what Easter is, and maybe a lot of folks simply do not care, but we do hope many are compelled to take a closer look. But many who are in church today and hear the good news may forget about everything that they have heard in church or everything about Easter once they leave because they've only taken a glance. 
So I want to encourage you today, take more than a glance. Some people see just the facts and just the details. Many know the story of Jesus in Bethlehem and who he claimed to be. They know some of the stories, the fantastic ministry of Jesus, every detail perhaps of Holy Week, including the triumphal entry into Jerusalem and the Last Supper and the washing of the disciples' feet. They know the prayer, the sweats of drop of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. They know that Jesus was arrested and that he was beaten. A crown of thorns was laid upon his head. He was taken down the Via Della Rosa to the place on the cross of Calvary. They know of the empty tomb. They know of the many sightings of the people who saw Jesus alive. Many know and have heard the facts and the details, but it makes a, does not make much difference, and they still have lots of questions. Be sure as you look into the tomb this morning, and if you've seen it all before or you're seeing something new, be sure that you're seeing more than just the details and just the facts, for it is my testimony that even though I was young, I thought that I knew a lot about Jesus. I even thought I knew a lot about the Bible. But then there came the time that I realized I did not know Jesus personally. And I needed to put my faith in Him. I needed more than just the facts. Some people will see with perception and insight. That is, they will see, like John, they will see and they will believe. Jesus allows us today to take more than a glance to see more than just the details, to, but to place our faith in Him. And many of you today have already accepted Jesus as your personal Savior. You put your faith in Him and you know that Jesus lives in you and that you know that you have a home in heaven. And today as you look into the empty tomb, you can see with perception and insight and believe that He is walking with you today and that He will never leave you. Well, if you have that perception today, if you have that insight today, what are we to do with it? What are we to do with that insight and perception? In verse 10, it says the disciples went to their own home. Maybe that was significant in the fact that they weren't sure what to do with the information that they had as of yet. Others would testify about the resurrected Lord. Later that evening in the upper room with the other disciples, they would come and they would see Jesus and Jesus would appear and give them instructions. I think for us, what Mary Magdalene does next gives us some direction on what we're to do with our insight this morning as we look into the empty tomb. Notice verses 11 through 13. John 20 verse 11 says this, But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord and do not know where they have laid him. Now we read questions like that. We might have lots of questions about the angels and other gospels that says there were one angel. Some said that there were two and we believe all of it is true and what the angels did and what they said. We know that that's true. But I think one thing that we learned from these particular passages that if you want to recognize Jesus, you want to continue to have the insight, know what to do with that insight. You want to recognize Jesus, you should look. Look for the resurrected Lord. Stop looking for a dead Messiah or dead religion. She was not looking for the alive, resurrected Jesus as of yet. If you want to see Jesus at work in your life, life of this church, you should look with anticipation and expectation that Jesus will make himself known. We make the same mistake that Mary Magdalene makes when we do not look with anticipation or expect for God to come through. Or we forget about his promises. John chapter 20. 
Let's read verses 14 through 16. You still with me following along? You've got it here on the screen there in front of you. John chapter 20 verse 14 says this. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid it and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, meaning teacher. If you want to recognize Jesus, you should look and you should listen. Listen to the voice of Jesus. He wants to speak to you today. And he does that in many ways. He does it through creation. Spring is a reminder that we serve God of new beginnings. The beauty of this world Reminds us of God's goodness and His love. He speaks to us through the written word, His book, for whom Jesus is the central character. He has and He continues to speak to us through the risen Lord Jesus and proven His love. And Mary Magdalene, and like Mary Magdalene, Jesus knows your name. For God so loved you, He sent His only begotten Son in the world that you might believe in Him and that you will not perish. And lastly, Jesus speaks to you, speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus living inside you. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, He guides you, He directs you, watches over you. Ah, but if you're not listening, if you're not submitting to Jesus, we'll not recognize Jesus or His voice. One more segment of our scripture that we want to read today, John 20, verses 17 and 18 says this. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. If you want to recognize Jesus, look, look for the resurrected Lord, listen to the voice of Jesus, and live for him. Jesus told Mary when Mary recognized her. Obviously, she put her arms around him. She said, do not cling to me. Meaning she, she wanted to hold on to the presence of Jesus. Maybe was afraid that she was going to leave again and would not know where he was going to be. But he said, don't cling to me, Mary. He said, I've yet to ascend it to my father, which may have meant that there was still time for her to spend with the resurrected Lord before the ascension, but also that he would never leave her. He would send the Holy Spirit. But for now, he gave her instructions for which we commend her for searching for Jesus and following and living for Him. So, of course, she went and she told of her experience with Jesus. He is risen. I've seen Him. This is what He said. This is what He did. This is what He did. This is what He's doing. That's our message. He's risen. I've seen Him. This is what He said. And this is what He's doing. As you look, listen, and live for Him, you'll recognize Jesus at work in your life and in those around you. Be confident He is alive and He is working today. Uh, I can remember when our family got our first color television set. Probably there are more who are older than me in the first service. Some of them could remember when they got their first set. I remember we got their first color television set 
Some of you that are younger than me, you're feeling really sorry that I ever had to watch black and white TV and only had three channels. I do understand that. But surely, the greatest uh, change to television, it, uh, it was not HD, it was not uh, uh, smart TV, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the small screen or the thin uh, flat screen, but surely the greatest change to television had to be when it became color TV. I mean, they used, to, they used to advertise as an advertisement, coming to see you in living color. Today, you would not take a free black and white TV. My goodness, you wouldn't take it if it wasn't flat screen HD or smart TV, probably even if it was free. I want you to know that if you do not have a personal relationship with the risen Lord or you're out of fellowship with Him today, you're living in a drab black and white world spiritually. If we're not looking... And listening and living for Jesus, we'll see our circumstances and the happenings in this world as one-dimensional. When bad things happen to you, when COVID strikes, inflation rises, the economy falls, dictators strike, and injustice continues, all will seem hopeless. You will feel helpless if it were not for the God factor. For the, the resurrected Lord Jesus who conquered death is alive and working today, and still King of Kings, hope is assured, victory is already won. With Jesus, you know, there's already a plan in place for everything that's happening in the world today. There's already a plan in place for this world. There's already a plan in place for all of our leaders, kings, and presidents today. There's even already a plan in place for little old you and me. How do we know? What he told us in his word, he proved it with the cross and the resurrection. And those who know Jesus and are walking with Him do not know just of the historical Jesus, but you know Him in living color. You've experienced Jesus rose from the dead. The Bible tells us appeared to many 500 at one time. They give witness and testify that He is alive. And we're to give that same testimony. Since we're on black and white TVs, you know that uh, for our young people, please... People used to sit around and talk about whether we would ever go to the moon or not. Ever since it was announced, present, you know, go to the moon, you think we'll really be able to do it? A lot of skeptics out there, you know, it's a long way out there. How are we going? How will we ever get to the moon? No oxygen up there. Couldn't, how could we ever be able to go to it? We just bounce right off all kinds of things that uh, probably people said during those days. But then, on July 20th, 1969, Neil Armstrong walked on the face of the moon. We don't really ask that question anymore unless you're a conspiracy theorist or some such. It's been demonstrated that it happened. July 20th, 1969. It's also a significant date for me because it was on or around that same time almost to the day that I gave my heart and life to Jesus. I don't contemplate if Jesus is alive. It's not just the evidence of the empty tomb or even the many witnesses or that historically I know Jesus exists. It is that I have experienced the risen Lord in my life. It eliminates debating the need about the truth about Jesus. Have you experienced the living word? Do you continue to experience the living word today? Um... I want to give you something this morning and uh, just help us to be able to demonstrate the truth, whether it be for ourselves or for someone else. 
or something perhaps that you might remember there in your notes. You have J-E-S-U-S, Jesus, and just a, pl- a way to be able to share the truth today. And J obviously stands for Jesus. Jesus cares. He loves you and has a plan for your life. John 10, 10 says, I've come that you might have life, might have it more abundantly. John three sixteen we've already read, for God so loved the world, sent his only begotten son. E stands for everyone needs Jesus. Everybody is in need. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Everybody has a need for Jesus. S is for salvations only in Jesus. Romans 10, 13 says, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There's only one way for salvation. There's only one way to get to heaven, only one way to know God, and that's through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, what he did for us on the cross. There's nothing we could do ourselves, nothing we could do to deserve salvation, nothing we can still do to be worthy of it, but only because of what Christ has done. The you in Jesus stands for unending grace. He offers eternal life to all those who believe and ask forgiveness. No one is beyond Salvation, no one is beyond or outside of the grasp of God's love. Romans 10, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And then the last S in the name Jesus, the Savior is waiting. The Savior is waiting. He died on the cross and He rose again and He is alive. 1 Corinthians 15 gives a long list of many, uh, even 500 who saw Jesus and He had resurrected and alive. And verses 3 and 4 says, For I delivered to you as of first importance, Paul writes, what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that He was buried and He was raised again on the third day in accordance with the Scripture. I'm, I'm a, for all of us, the Savior's waiting. He's waiting today. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, He's waiting for you so that you might ask Him to forgive you of your sins and ask Christ to come in. It is a wonderful Resurrection Sunday in which we've come. It is a good day to give your heart and life to Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus but you've been far away or you're not as close as you know that you need to be, the Savior is waiting. He's waiting so that you might be able to have a renewed fellowship with Him once again. He also may be waiting for you to continue to have that steadfast love and to follow Jesus just as you have been doing and continue to do in the future. We're going to continue to share the good news of the gospel. We don't just do it on Easter Sunday, you know, but here we've shared the good news. This is for you, for anybody that needs to know Jesus as Lord and Savior because the gospel, it's salvation to all those who need Jesus. And it is strength to all those who are disciples and who know him. So what have you seen today? As you've looked into the empty tomb, only a glance? Just the facts? Or have you seen with perception and insight? Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to you on this Lord's Day, we recognize your presence in this place. We have come together to worship and to hail the name of King Jesus. We thank you, Father, for the sending of the Son. We thank you, Father, for the death on the cross who paid the debt that we could not pay. We thank you for the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who now has conquered death so that we might be able to have life, might have life abundantly, life with purpose, and eternal life. We thank you, Father. 
for how you continue to be at work. And we pray, Father, for all those who are in this room that we know that you're waiting for us to respond, to say, yes, Lord, I'll follow you closer. Yes, Lord, I'll continue to follow you. And Father, we pray for those who may be in this room or those who may be watching live stream today that do not know you as Lord and Savior, or maybe they're just not sure. Well, today they can settle the fact, and we pray that you'll be working in their hearts today to ask Jesus to be Savior and Lord, ask for forgiveness of all sin, and to have a grand relationship and fellowship with the one who's still king. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer today. Thank you for this worship. We lift these prayers up in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Would you please stand?